It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Make your winning move today and bet at my bookie. Use promo code Gators and claim your deposit match. Redeemable up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GatorsFree and use code GatorsFree for free breakfast for life with active subscription. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming right here with you, early signing day recap with co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readreaction.com, on YouTube at readreaction as well. And Will, this class at one time was up to number three in the rankings uh, over the weekend, round five, yesterday, number 10. And here we are on signing day after a f- couple of flips or a few flips away from Florida. Florida hangs on to their, you know, the, the cogs of this class on both sides of the ball. DJ Lagway, LJ McCray. There's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. And man, I'll tell you what, signing day, there's never a dull moment either. Are you not entertained? I, uh, I'll, maybe not in a good way. I, I wasn't necessarily entertained all day long as I was sort of refreshing Twitter while I was supposed to be working and, uh, you know, looking at guys choosing Auburn and Texas A&M and Georgia and, and all sorts of stuff. And not a whole lot of guys choosing Florida, but obviously what you said, um, Lagway and, and McCray both choosing to be Gators. There's a lot of good players in this mm-hmm. class. There may even be some elite players in this class. And, you know, the drop from third to 15th is obviously very disappointing or 16th. I think now actually is, is disappointing the way Florida closed, obviously very disappointing, but I don't want to overshadow the fact that Florida got a lot of really good players and good players at positions of need as well. And so look, I think we can look and say what could have been, and certainly what could have been was the start of a, of a championship level recruiting class Um, fall short of that. Definitely given, given where things fall in this case, but get the blue chip recruit at quarter, back that Florida needs um, certainly to replace Graham Mertz when he decides to when he decides to leave the program and and got some really good players so you know I 
like it always feels weird when you start talking about recruiting when the recruiting isn't good enough because it feels like you're you're saying something about the guys who are in the class. Correct. And I don't think that's it at all. I think I mean one of the things I know we're going to talk about tonight is just the volume of players and there just aren't enough of them in any of the three classes that Billy Napier's had so far. So a lot to critique, but certainly a lot of good players who've been added to the program too and look, I think I tweeted this out right before the episode here if if Lagway turns Florida into a consistent winner, that dude's going to be a bigger star than Tim Tebow. I mean, Tebow was, a, <laughs> Tebow was a star because of a lot of different things. But Lagway is is the hope in all of this stuff, really. Mm-hmm. And if he turns things around, if he turns out to be as good as his high school profile, as good as – I mean, you know, dude won Max, Pre- Max Preps Player of the Year this week. Um, if he turns out to be that level, you know, Caleb Williams-type – player coming right in as a true freshman being able to contribute it turns the whole story around so it's not like there's no hope but but napier's on a razor's edge here now like lagway has to be a star in order for things to turn around and that's a tough place to be a lot of pressure to put on the kid but hey he knew what he was signing up for because he was one of the last ones to send his nli today and uh and uh, hopefully he can get the job done yeah, we'll get into that uh, storyline too, what DJ Lagway means to this class uh, a lot. Um, and hey, there, there's so much. There's there, there's good, there's bad, um, there's in between. Uh, we'll get into it all here. Some of the, hey, look, you might, before this episode's over with, you might call us sunshine pumpers, you might call us negative Nellies, you might, I mean, there's, there's a few ways to go with this, but hey, when a class falls like it did, you know, there's not, um, that, that, that's the reality of it. And we can talk about, what happened, why it happened, uh, and hey, that's that's what we'll do right here uh, on, on Gators Breakdown. So hit that like button before we get started. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. Lots to get into <laughs> on this episode. We'll try and fit it all in, of course, uh, with just all the storylines uh, from around Gator Nation, around college football today. Uh, but smash that like button. Does it cost you a thing? Really helps us out right here on Gators Breakdown. And of course, um, yeah, Gators Breakdown Plus, it might it might have been a little bit busy today in that Discord. <laughs> in a lot of conversations. Will, I even saw you in the Discord yesterday, believe it or not. Uh, Will hops in there every now and then. Bill Sykes is in there. And uh, I know on three, their their uh, on three message board had a had a topic. Where is Bill Sykes? Uh, so of course, when recruiting is the topic, Bill gets brought up a lot. But if you do want to chat with Bill every now and then, he is in there in the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. So, you know, uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. You get access, you know, the link is in the description, but you get extra episodes, access to the Discord, ad-free episodes, all that good stuff at Gators Breakdown Plus. Keep that conversation going on in the Discord. So all right, Will, uh, let's get to it, man. And, hey, kind of what you started with and what I'll lead with here to another class on the smaller side. And that's kind of been the M.O. so far for Billy Napier in the high school recruiting um, so far in the recruiting classes that he's brought in. They've just been on the smaller side. So 18 uh, for, for this Gator class right now. Um, you know, <sighs> it could have, would have, should have higher ranked that one, one time. But I do, like you said, like a lot of what Florida does – actually bring into this class glad and hopeful for those guys that chose to be gators uh, but i think when we go back and look at this class well it will be what could have been uh the 18 signees are good um it doesn't mean they'll all work out but i think uh we probably played a lot more closer attention to a lot of these players in this class because and at one point <laughs> we were like another one another one another one and you know Florida was just a hot summer hot summer and i think with the way this class was training, we paid a lot of attention to this class, a lot of attention to all the players that were coming in because of what it looked like it was building to at one time. 
so I think we all tuned into a lot of these kids, watched a lot of film, watched a lot of games in the fall. There's a lot to like. Uh, I just wish, going to your point, there was I wish there was more to like about this class. Nothing against the 18 kids that Florida signed, just want more. We were kind of teased with that. We saw a vision of a top three class, a top five class, and you know to kind of solidify Billy Napier as that big-time recruiter, but that's not what we got with this class. We still have a lot of questions uh, in the end where this class is. So with this small class, it may – one way we'll – I'll throw a little bit of maybe orange and blue glasses, a little bit of silver lining into this. It does leave some room in the short term uh, to fill in with the portal. And, look, short-term help is what probably Billy Napier needs more than anything uh, right now. And, look, that wasn't the plan uh, originally is to sign 18 kids. But, hey, it may it may work out. There may be a silver lining in how you finish this the next you know month or so in, in the transfer portal. I mean, it could actually pay dividends to this ever-so-important 2024 season that Billy Napier has coming up. But, you know, seeing all the talent that once was a part of this class – and how it shook out today, that, that 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 stings a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it stings for a lot of different reasons. One is, I told you before we came on, that I went ahead and took Florida's top eight recruits out of their class, and then I added in the eight guys who flipped. So Amaris Williams, Darius Hayes, Xavier Filsamy, Jamonte Waller, Wardell Mack, Nasir Johnson, Kendall Jackson, Isaiah Williams – and the point total only dropped six points, so 258 to 252. Essentially, those top eight are just as good as Florida's top eight um, in their class right now. If you put those two things together, that's how you end up with the top three class, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's really what – like Florida lost half of their top-end talent with guys who were flipping. The other thing is, is Williams was defensive lineman, Hayes linebacker, Phil Simi safety, Waller edge, Mack cornerback, Nasir Johnson, defensive line, Kendall Jackson, defensive line, and then Isaiah Williams, wide receiver. So only one of the eight guys who flipped was a def- or was an offensive player for a defense that's been sub-100 in yards per play allowed for three of the last four years. So it's a place where Florida clearly needs help, needs numbers in many ways just because the numbers are necessary in order to, you know, if one guy doesn't work out, hey, you got somebody else who can step in. Stacking those guys one on top of each other is really the way Georgia – Georgia operates. And if you think about it, like Georgia's lost a lot of guys in the portal this week, but I went back and I looked at the last three classes. Georgia's signed 30 guys, 26 guys, and 28 guys over the last three classes. That's 84 total players. Now, 14 of those guys have been five-star players, which is a different conversation as well, but Florida's only signed 61 in the same time frame. So you're talking about 23 players less that Florida has brought to campus as a high schooler over the last three years. You add to that the 13 guys with Walter Nolan from last year's class and then 12 other guys leaving from that initial class. you got 48 guys now on the roster who were brought in by Billy Napier in those three recruiting classes. So just from a numbers perspective, this class is really, really low. If you have a guy at a position who doesn't work out, you don't have a guy behind him to sort of back that up. Right. And honestly, that's a lot of what the flips were. Like Adarius Hayes at linebacker, if Miles Graham is a beast at linebacker, no one's going to care that Adarius Hayes didn't make it here. But if Hayes turns into a beast and and Graham sort of turns into a solid but not elite player, well, now you're sitting there going, geez, we could have had both of those guys on the field and that to me is sort of the is sort of the big thing here is that recruiting is never about just one guy so like if lj mccray had decided to flip that doesn't make or break the class just like when mccray decides to stay late this afternoon that doesn't make or break the class either you look at it 
as a whole and as a whole, they're just right on a razor's edge in terms of number of players, in terms of quality of players, and in terms of, you know, we saw it this year. Shamar James went down with an injury and the linebacker play was really substandard. And James wasn't necessarily playing at a high level, but he was playing at an average level. I actually went back and looked at some some of the PFF rankings um, last week. I'm going to have an article going up this week about it. And linebacker was a place where Florida came up really, really short. So you sit there and look at the recruiting class and go, good. They've identified that. They've got linebackers coming in. They still got two guys who signed, right? So they've got they've got Childs and they've got Miles Graham mm-hmm. there at that linebacker position who can hopefully just bring that sort of even back to average as true freshmen. Because what you realize when you start looking at these rankings is that even the elite defenses don't have elite elite play everywhere. Like even Georgia and Alabama have sort of average play at a couple of spots, maybe above average at a couple of spots, and then elite play in a couple of spots. And that's how they end up being elite defenses. Florida didn't have elite play anywhere last year, but they had they had below average play at corner safety and really below average at linebacker. And that's how you end up with a defense that gets gashed all the time. So look, I think they filled some needs here in, in, in a certain capacity, but I mean, just from a numbers perspective, if you add those eight guys in, the class is top three. But beyond that, you're now looking at a class that that has that has 26 guys rather than 18, and you're right in that range where the elite guys are in terms of total numbers as well. Yeah, so that was the headline today. Um, you know, of course, that's kind of been the head, the trending for the last a little over a month or so. Of the guys Florida has lost coming into signing day, and then all the rumors and all the news that hey, some other transfers were likely as well. Kind of started with Xavier Fields to me a couple of days ago, uh, and then kind of still uh, transitioned into National Signing Day uh, where it happened. So we'll get into it today. We've got to kind of follow the storylines of today as well. Uh, that's part of the storyline uh, that we have here as we go through uh, this 2024 signing class. So, Will, I mean, if we go back, you know, Sunday, Sunday, this Gators class was still top five. <laughs> Just that. Right? And look, we, we, that was, you know, of course, I, I had to, I think we all took a look at that and it's like, oh, this is before Phil Smith flips, you know, how is this going to change throughout the next few days? But Sunday, it was still a top five class. Yesterday, on Tuesday, Signing day eve, Florida was 10th in the 24-7 sports composite with 19 high school commitments and now 16th with 18 high school commitments. Uh, none of these are counting the transfers here, and I'm using the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Uh, yesterday, two five-stars. You can't be two five-stars with Lagway and then McCray. You had 11 four-stars yesterday. That's down to nine four-stars now. Uh, six three-stars yesterday up to seven three-stars now. So the average will for the class yesterday before – all the defections, 92 was the average yesterday. The average went down today to 91.31. Uh, and then Florida with the um, uh, 272.65 overall score. Um, they, I think that's the – they. I'm trying to think if they re-ranked it. Yeah, now Florida's 258.37. So yesterday it was 272.65 and now 258.37. Uh, so now using the 24-7 sports composite – Florida, will this class ended up with one top 10 player. That is DJ Lagway. If you use the composite, I know if you go and use 24-7's regular rankings, LJ McCray is a top 10 player as well. Uh, but using the composite, one top 10 player, that is in DJ Lagway, and five top 100. Uh, and let me throw it, D- Lagway's top five. <laughs> Actually, four, uh, fourth overall, so that's how big he is. So, um, oh, nope, I'm using the... I stepped on myself there. I did, he's 10th. 
I, yeah, he's 10th. I didn't check. See, there we go. 24-7 got me anyway. They, they default to their rankings. The composite, DJ Lagway is 10th. LJ McCray is 35th. Um, but, you know, and then five top 100 uh, when it was all said and done uh, for the skaters class. And you had seven top 100 coming in to today. So one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers in this class, one tight end, three defensive linemen, two linebackers, three defensive backs. We'll get into all that. One, and in the end, you had six from the state of Florida, five from the state of Georgia, two from Maryland, two from Texas, and one from Mississippi and Virginia. Uh, so, well, we'll get back into it. How did we get to this point? How did we get from Tuesday to Wednesday and Florida falling down the rankings here? So, But let's start at the top of the class. DJ Lagway, LJ McCray, the really, really good news of the class here. For DJ Lagway, man, I hate to put pressure on the kid. <laughs> but, man, as you said, we'll kind of go into He's the hope. He is the beacon of light in this in this recruiting class right now. Uh, Florida hasn't had a quarterback like this in quite some time come through as far as a, as a recruit go that you just say can't miss. And he just wins these kind of awards, as you mentioned, the Max Preps Player of the Year Award uh, he won this past week. So, Look, he's the hope for Gator Nation right now. He's the hope for Billy Napier, and we've known this, but probably made even more apparent today. Um, where this overall roster will be compared to others, it, it won't be there. But you know, we we know how quarterbacks can be equalizers in a lot of ways, and there's not a lot of equity right now when it comes to Billy Napier after the first two seasons and the work on the recruiting trail uh, right now. But he gets a ton of credit here for pulling in Lagway and, and giving that hope right now. Uh, I know many don't think it matters big picture for Napier, but in some ways, well, I, I think it does. We all know Napier is kind of on some thin ice next season, you know, agree or disagree in a lot of eyes he is. Uh, but I think Lagway could represent a little more equity uh, for, for Napier. Now, barring the bottom falling out next season, you know, a two, two to two win to four win season, but say rep, replicate it this year, five and seven, you know, I could see, not me. I could see some decision makers. I could see some higher ups riding with that one more time because of Lagway. And I'm not saying I'd do it, but I could see those that you know want to see Napier with him before they completely start over again. Now, recruiting up to that point would be pretty tough, um, but I believe Lagway can be that special. That where I can see in many people's eyes, he buys Napier another year for 2025. Yeah, there'll be the excuse next year of a tough schedule and Lagway may flash enough next year as a true freshman with that tough schedule to get some excited, but I think he is that special. I think he will be special. I hope it's in orange and blue. And and given the fear that he may leave if if Napier gets let go, I can see DJ Lagway buying Napier one more season past twenty twenty four. If twenty twenty four isn't great on the field again, I think he's that special of a player where decision makers would want to see him paired with Billy Napier one more time. Yeah, I mean, likewise the hope, man. And and it's hard to put that on a true freshman, but that's just the reality is that where where do I point to to say this is what Billy Napier does better than anybody else? Where do I point to to say this is why we have hope the next time we face Georgia or Texas or Alabama or even Kentucky at this point? Like, where do you point to? And, and the place you point to is DJ Lagway. And you say if Lagway turns out to be fantastic, I mean, look at what happened with LSU this year. An absolutely terrible defense mm. paired with Jaden Daniels and that 
team goes nine and three and is competitive in every single game. And I'm sure it drove LSU fans nuts to watch their defense just completely gashed, just like it did Florida in 2020 when we had Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony running all over the place and the defense couldn't get a stop either. But that's sort of the future. I and mean, that's what you're looking for, right? Is that even if the defense struggles, that, that, Lagway or or Mertz is going to be able to then sustain things and pull the defense along until Austin Armstrong is able to get a hold of it and get things to improve. Now, look, played a lot of freshmen this year. Maybe that defense improves considerably. You don't quite need to be as explosive on, on offense as LSU. But the reality is if they have another year where they're putting up 28, 29 points a game, <clears throat> it's going to be hard to justify um, it's going to be hard to justify extending the regime given what we've seen on the recruiting trail so far. But I mean, look, it, it's a really thin razor's edge to to walk to depend on this guy to be the star. But there, are, you know, people like throwing the Clemson example out there from a recruiting perspective, and I really don't like that example since Clemson's in the ACC. The one thing I will say is that that holds in the Clemson example is that Dabo Swinney had a profile pretty similar to Billy Napier coming through basically two and a half seasons because he started, you know, he was an interim head coach. Um, and then and then all of a sudden things flipped. And what flipped? Taj Boyd became a starting quarterback. And then they went from Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. And now he hasn't hit as hard on DJ Ue Agalele and Cade Klubnik, and they've sort of come back to earth. So to me, that's the comparison. But it, But I also want to caution people that when you're making a comparison for a team that's essentially a historical outlier to hit on three quarterbacks in a row like that, like that's a that's a really razor's edge thing that you're doing. You're essentially saying that DJ Lagway, in order for Florida to win championships, has to be as good as Trevor Lawrence. So if he ends up being the number one pick in the draft, Billy Napier will be here for a really long time because he will have time to sort of right the ship. If he's, you know, Taj Boyd wasn't the number one draft pick. You know, does does that get this Florida team to maybe eight and four, maybe nine and three? Yeah, and that's probably enough to to buy time over time. The question is going to be when is he ready to to step mm-hmm. in? Right. Because you know, again, if if you start out next year one and four, like do you even like even if you see hope with the true freshman who comes in and plays quarterback at that point, do you or do you wait only give him four games and keep him as a you know give him a redshirt year? Like, how does that work? All that sort of stuff. I, this is actually one of the reasons why I think college football really needs to move and Florida needs to move to having a general manager type of position where because the coaches' incentives are not necessarily always aligned with the program's incentives, right? And so having a guy like Lagway in the fold, you may do different things next year if you're feeling the heat, if you feel desperate, if you feel like you're not going to keep your job. To me, this is actually one of the things that I was a little bit disappointed in the last couple of weeks is there's been a lot of noise ever since Florida didn't make a bowl game from the fan base, probably from boosters, about Billy Napier and is he the right guy for the job. And you see all these guys bolting right here at the finale. Where was the vote of confidence from Scott Strickland? Where was the where was the guy who who controls Napier's job saying, I'm behind him 100%. He's not going anywhere. Recruits can trust it, that he's going to be here for a, for a long period of time, that sort of stuff. I didn't see anything like that. Mm. And to me, that sort of leaves the coach flailing out there in the wind a little bit. So now you look at it and you know, they made some changes at defensive line and defensive back. Certainly that probably had some some ramifications to some of the flips that happened. But I think some of it is you even heard it from the recruits directly saying, I want to go to a place where it's stable. I want to go to a place where I know the coaches are going to be there two or three years from now. Without that vote of confidence coming down from the top, look, I don't know. You and I are sitting here going, yeah, maybe – 
you know, how many games do you get? How many years do you get? Nobody really knows. So to me, that uncertainty just sort of parlays into that sort of stuff. Lagway's the hope. He's the guy who, if he doesn't work out, the Napier era doesn't work out. It's as simple as that. Yeah. If he does work out, the Napier era works out and he may even work out later and the Napier era <laughs> won't work out just if it, if it's not fast enough. And that's just the reality. When you rely on a guy in your third recruiting class to come in and be a star, you look at like Oregon, Dan Lanning brings in Bo Nix. Nix turns things around there at Oregon in year one, certainly in year two, you look at Washington with Michael Penix. You look at a lot of these places where they brought in transfer quarterbacks in that first year. Napier didn't hit. If he'd have brought in Mertz and a Mertz type quarterback in his first year and had seen that sort of performance, I think people would have given him some time. But, you know, to go from the fifth pick in the draft yeah. <laughs> and go six and six or six and seven and then go to Graham Mertz and go five and seven. And now you've got this Mertz lagway thing coming on, coming up in, in 2024. It's going to be fascinating to see how long it takes for a switch to be made, if a switch is made, um, what kind of promises were made to Graham Mertz and whether those promises matter given some of the pressure that's going to be on uh, Billy Napier to play DJ Lagway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, I, I did give some praise to Billy Napier in that little spill before you started there, Will, and, and for keeping it. But let me give some credit to DJ Lagway as well, because with many people have blamed him when a lot of other players were jumping ship that if, if he did, and we know we heard all the reports of Lincoln Riley and USC coming at him late. Texas a and I mean, Lincoln Riley was trying to call him today and, and get him to change his mind. Texas A&M come in late. Um, you know, for a quarterback with the, all these questions out there, he stuck it out. He believes in what Billy Napier's doing. And, and I've seen it in the chat, too. It's like, you, you know, maybe he sticks around even after, if, if something happens to Billy Napier. Maybe he likes Florida enough where he sticks around. Well, I, I still think the head coach <laughs> I would have a lot to say about that. But you know, maybe he does. Um but, you know, I, I do think he can be that special to where, you know, he helps Billy Napier keep it for one more year to see him as a starting quarterback, maybe in 2025. But I did want to give some credit to, to, to Lagway as well for, you know, be, being the Gators, sticking with the Gators when, you know, a, somebody with his recruiting ranking, his stature and all the accolades he's been getting that hey, it, it, it worked out for Florida and Florida got 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 their guy and hopefully uh, Billy Napier maybe gets to see it pan out, though. You know, that's another thing. Will go, go, going back to that angle and you bringing up Scott Strickland, and that might be another reason why Billy Napier's here in 2025. If the higher ups above Scott Strickland don't want to move on just quite yet from Scott Strickland, Strickland ain't going to get rid of Napier. Because <laughs> you, you said you said it. We've all said it for the last few months. We think his job is tied to Billy Napier, so there might be even more. 
even more conservative than I want it, more conservative than you want it, more conservative than a lot of Gator Nation wants it, but there it, it it may work itself out where we see DJ Lagway get Billy Napier to 25 anyway. Yeah, so two things there. One is I think um, it, the fact that DJ Lagway came, the fact that DJ Lagway committed early, the fact that DJ Lagway is here irrespective of all of the flips and all the drama and all the stuff that's going on, I think suggests that he's wired in a way where he wants to be a legend. He wants to be a guy who turns around a program, not a guy who comes in and just contributes to a winning program, right? So he could have gone to Georgia. He could have gone to Alabama. But I think if you look at guys like Tua and Jalen Hurts, those guys are respected in Tuscaloosa, but they aren't legends. And if you go to Florida, though, Danny Werfel is a legend. Tim Tebow is a legend. When you turn this program around, especially after you know the last 15 years we've had in the wilderness, when you turn this program around, you're going to be a legend. And so if that's what he wants, irrespective of who the coach is, that's what he gets if he's really as good as what he looks like from his high school profile and the confidence that he has. And he was tweeting out after he committed, you know, that you're either with us or against us when it comes to winning. And, and uh, you know, so he's got that level of confidence, and that's great. The, the only thing I'll say about the higher-up aspect of things is that people – so conflict happens when expectations don't meet reality, right? So the reason people are upset about this recruiting class isn't because it's 15th necessarily or 16th necessarily, though maybe we would be in a vacuum anyway, but – it's that the expectation was a top three class. You set that expectation and everything sort of fell off. This is the most I've ever seen a recruiting class fall. Mm -hmm. Typically, you know, I, I basically said last week or no, it was probably a month ago that there's no way Florida will fall out of the top 10 because I've never seen it historically a team fall like this. And all of a sudden they're falling. Um, so all that to say that, that, when you're trying to set expectations, when you when you want to set expectations, that's how you keep th that's how you keep things quiet. So if Scott Strickland comes out and says Billy Napier's here through 2025, I don't care what anybody says, he's going to be here, then the fire Napier stuff goes away. At least the most of it goes away because you've set an expectation. That's not a solution anymore. No one tweeting that or 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 putting that out there is getting your attention. You've already told them I'm not paying attention to you. I'm not going to do that. So let's look for alternative solutions. Let's look at, you know, hey, maybe maybe linebacker coach or the or the defensive line coach or the defensive back coach, the offensive line or whatever. Right? You start looking at different things, it deviates the pressure, maybe it changes the narrative around the program. Zuck talked about this all the time, the noise in the system. Well, Strickland had an opportunity to sort of decrease the noise in the system and hasn't taken that opportunity. Um, you know, whether or not <laughs> whether or not he survives the noise in the system is a different question obviously, but but you can at least decrease that noise on your coach, give him a chance to succeed. Chose not to do that here, and I think in some cases, and it's not all of them, right? I mean, some of these guys transferred for reasons or flipped for reasons that has nothing to do with the administration or the coach or any of that sort of stuff, right? Um, at the same time, you can't tell me it had nothing to do with it, uh, especially considering that, like I said, this is the most precipitous drop I've seen for a recruiting class in as long as I've been following it. Uh, yeah, we'll, I'll throw up the rankings here uh, in just a second. We'll go through that, too. We'll talk L.J. McCray, and then we'll talk uh, the storylines, of course, the flips away uh, from Florida. And who Florida got today uh, uh, as well before we uh, wrap up here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Plenty more to get into, of course. And, I mean, it's storyline story galore. Yeah, that's just what, what, what signing day is. It's it, uh, hard to get it all in. Uh, but, hey, we'll do it right here. But before we do, hey, guys, don't pass up a chance at easy cash this holiday season. Go with my bookie. 
MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. So you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL, college bowl games, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, well, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie. Use promo code GATERS and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. Again, that is promo code GATERS to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And it is the most wonderful time of the year, and you can make it more wonderful by using America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Your holiday shopping is made easier by shopping online, so why not make your meal prep easier? This holiday season. So skip that extra grocery store trip and instead get fresh ingredients and delicious recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. The most wonderful time of the year can also be the season of saving. Actually save money this month with fresh recipes delivered cheaper than takeout. And with pre-portioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. So still looking for that different kind of gift this holiday season? Go to HelloFresh.com slash GatorsFree. Use code GatorsFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash GatorsFree with code GatorsFree. Uh, well, we discussed there the top player in this Gators class, the headliner. But let's take a look at the rankings right quick before we move forward. Of course, it's ugly because that ugly red and black team right there, number one, Georgia. And as you can see, if you're watching the YouTube version, highlighted the teams in orange that Florida that's in the SEC, in state, or Florida's got to play <laughs> here. So here's the top 20 in rankings. And as you can see, hey, there's a lot of orange. And there's a lot of orange in front of Florida. But number one is Georgia. Number two, Alabama. Big signing day for Miami. They're number three. Ohio State, four. Oregon, five. Texas is six. Auburn, seven. Oklahoma, eight. Florida State, nine. Notre Dame, ten. LSU 11, Clemson 12, Tennessee 13, Penn State 14, Michigan is 15th. The Gators are out there at 16th, followed by Texas A&M. USC is 18, Nebraska 19, South Carolina is 20. So Will in front of Florida here, as I mentioned, those teams in orange there, teams that are in the SEC, Florida may play. You know, Alabama's not, but we'll count them since they're in the SEC. There's competition for Florida here. Um but Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Texas, Auburn, Oklahoma, Florida State, LSU, Tennessee, all in front of Florida. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams in front of Florida. That's either in the SEC, in state, on Florida's schedule. Doesn't make it any easier, you know, when you not long ago, as we said, Florida was up there with Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State as among the nation's best. And now behind the likes of Florida State, LSU. Tennessee. This is why it hurts so much is when you see what your competition is doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so eighth in the conference at this point with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference behind Miami, behind Florida state, two teams you're playing next year. Um, the Florida isn't in the sec East anymore. Uh, you know, 12th to 15th isn't going to get the job done. That's better than Missouri. It's better than Kentucky. It's better than South Carolina. Um, it's, it's not better than the teams on the schedule next year. 
right? It's not better than you play Georgia, you play Miami, you play Texas, you play Florida State, you play LSU, you play Tennessee. All those teams are in front of you. Um, Texas A&M right next to you. It's it's rough. I mean, that's just the reality in the SEC. And and uh, look, I mean, most of the teams that Florida's going to face, like when they face LSU, it's not like LSU got some giant talent advantage over Florida in this class. In fact, I would say the Tigers are probably upset with Brian Kelly right now in terms of where they're at being 11th overall. Um, at the same time, what it means is, is now all of a sudden those close games, the in-game coaching, the last four minutes of the first half, the first four of the second half really start to make a difference. And that has not been an area of strength for Billy Napier so far. And so, you know, you look at guys like Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen, they had really good records in one score games, at least until the last years when sort of the wheels fell off of both of their, uh, both of their, their programs. Napier hasn't had that luck so far in close games. We've seen a lot of sort of um, special teams issues. We've seen a lot of snafus at the end, a lot of clock management issues, those sorts of things. That all is going to have to get fixed again, because this is, this is what I keep saying is you're on a razor's edge when you end up recruiting like this. It doesn't mean you can't win, but it means everything has to go right. And that includes hitting on the quarterback. That includes hitting on all of these different guys who, who've come in who are sort of top 100. And it includes all the in-game stuff as well. So, look, it's rough. I mean, I wish we were sitting here saying Florida was sitting third and all these teams are behind them. And this is the part of Florida building past the teams that are on their schedule. But that's not the reality. The reality is Florida is sitting right smack dab in the middle and maybe even below a lot of their competition. And so everything is going to have to go right in order for it to pan out and for them to end up ahead of these guys when it comes to the actual on-field performance. Yeah, because, I mean, if we go look at it, uh, you'll, you will be playing Oklahoma in 25. That is part of the rule. Um, you play If you play Texas one year, you get Oklahoma the next year. So Florida will have Oklahoma on the schedule in 2025. Uh, I think Miami is on the schedule in 25 as well. I think it's back-to-back games you have with them over the next couple of years. So they're on the schedule as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, and now Florida State's recruiting better than what they have, uh, you know, based on them starting to win more lately. So, yeah, the schedule, as far as recruiting goes, uh, doesn't ease up much for the Gators in the future. Always a tough schedule for Florida. You'd think you, you, you'd hope you can make it a little easier by recruiting a little better than those guys, but here we are, uh, and this is where we find ourselves um, right here after early signing day. So, all right, well, let's get back to uh, some of the – this is a sto- This was a storyline today. Um, even though he committed back in October for Florida, a little bit of drama filled today for Florida's top defensive player, L.J. McCray was supposed to originally, originally announced earlier in the day and then sent word that may not sign today at all and might wait till later in the week and then waits all the way until 545. And <laughs> then he's still going to sign with Florida, thankfully. Uh, Billy Napier's press conference was set for 430, but it didn't start till like 540 or almost 6 o'clock because what, you know, uh, what LJ McCray was going to do, uh, I think they kind of had a good idea what he was going to do anyway, but still uh, waited for that public announcement there from LJ McCray that he's still going to sign with Florida, a big win to keep him in the fold. Uh, Auburn tried to come in with that. Auburn was the kind of team that it sounded like was trying to make another push today, uh, but big win to keep him in the fold with many other defenders, you know, just kind of belling on the class. Gets Florida one of, if not the best defensive lineman in the class. And Napier mentioned a little more revelation. We, we've kind of discussed this about maybe where he fits in. And, hey, is the lack of a defensive line coach hurting L, LJ McCray or some of these guys? And why may, maybe you know the decommits are happening and the flips are happening? Well, the, Napier was asked about it in the press conference specifically about LJ McCray. And he was like, no, not necessarily the case here. Mike Peterson is more his position coach. He's going to play edge for the Florida 
Gators um, does have some versatility, so he, they can move him around a bit, but does give us some clarity about where they actually see him starting uh, for for you know. I think he's going to play a whole lot next year. Uh, that's the type of player that he is. Um, and we'll discuss transfers uh, coming up. You know, they'll play a huge part for Billy Napier next year as well. Uh, but in trying to turn this around next season, will I, I think McCray is that type of player where he should pay off right away. Some production in his first season. I'm not sitting there saying, you know, go dominate, and hopefully he does in year one. But, you know, all SEC freshman type of season might be difficult in the trenches, but somebody's got to, there's got to be a freshman out there that wins that award on the defensive line. LJ McCray should be a pretty good candidate for that. Uh, but eager to see him work at that edge position. Well, I mean, worst case scenario, he's going to be the the second string guy at that edge position, right? Yeah. You got TJ Searcy, who's who's listed there. You got Jack Pyburn, who's going to be coming off of an injury, and then LJ McCray. That's all they got at the edge position thus far. Maybe they bring in somebody in the transfer portal, but you know, in terms of what you could sell LJ McCray beyond the NIL, beyond all the other stuff, you could you could sell him playing time. That that guy's going to get out there and he's going to play real early on. Um, the question, like you said, is you know. We're really sort of looking for a Harold Perkins type of type of impact, right? Perkins was the best player on LSU's defense by the end of last year. Um, whether or not McCray is able to do that, I think will go a long way towards determining how good Florida's defense is. You know, look, Princey Human Milan leaves. There's certainly space for guys who can pass rush. Um, and and McCray is going to be a guy that they're going to depend on to do that. You can't have a guy who's twitchy like that. You can't have a guy who's that physically gifted sitting there waiting for a year and a half to get ready to go out and get sacks. You don't have time anymore. This guy's got to get out there. He's got to play really quick. He's got to play really quickly and he's gonna have to contribute. You know, am I thinking 12 sacks? No, nah, but I mean four. Five sacks with you know six or seven tackles for loss, 20, 25 tackles playing, you know, maybe 30, 40% of the snaps. Like I could see that being a way you would use him. I can see maybe using him in pass rush situations, right? Where you use some of the guys like Joey Slackman is going to be playing defensive end. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden you can bring in McCray, not necessarily, uh, you know, where you're saying, hey, I need a guy who can rush the passer. I'm going to bring in a guy on the other side of a guy like TJ Searcy yeah. or a guy on the other side of a Justice Boone, and all of a sudden now we'll have a burst on that side. So uh, to me, it's just like if you think about like 2006 with Tim Tebow where he situationally came in and spelled – Chris Leak, but he brought a dimension that Leak just didn't have. To me, that's sort of what you do with with LJ McCray, especially early on, is it's not necessarily that he's out there playing 80% of the snaps. It's that do you get maximum impact out of the 10 or 20% of the snaps that he is playing when you have him out there on the edge? All right. Sorry. Following up on still recruiting stuff going on behind the scenes. So had to answer a text message there. Um, <laughs> Uh, trying to get some more information before I share anything uh, to, to deal with that, but we'll see. Um, yeah, just, just big. And, of course, the storyline there of, you know, it was a little bit of a scare uh, if he was going to be here or not. Uh, but thankfully, Florida wins out in the end there. For I, I, I love the kid, uh, the way what he shows. I love his versatility. He just dominates. Uh, and one part of him, too, I thought was pretty interesting. And we'll move forward in just a second. Just something I thought that stuck out. He was part of a rebuild there at Daytona mainland and knows that process. Um, so hopefully big part of another big rebuild turnaround here uh, for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. So, uh, well, let's uh, Florida added some players today too. You know, there were some targets out there. Florida was going after. We'll get into that right here as well. Uh, keep it on the good news for a little bit. Jaden ball. Uh, we 
of course, we chronicled him for the last couple of weeks here. Decommitted from Arkansas, the running back in Florida, legit had to fight off Alabama here, and it was a legit battle. Alabama wanted him. He's coming off an Alabama visit this past weekend. Um, do does Alabama have other options? Sure, they do, but they still wanted Ball. Look, they can probably go back and and get another good running back, of course, but they still did uh, want him. But uh, four-star, 381 on the 24-7 sports composite, ranked 357 on the on-three industry rankings. Willie's a bruiser type of running back from Decatur, Georgia. Uh, shifty, powerful. He does everything for his Columbia squad. This is a big, big plus for him. He's taking snaps at running back, receiver, quarterback, linebacker, and safety this past season. Not a small back either. 6'1", 215, uh, but this plays excellent burst. He does get downhill in a hurry. Got that long stride. Uh, when you watch him, you'll see that long stride. And CSC4 does not come into your mind uh, when, when you watch some tape right there with that long stride uh, for, for ball. Gets to the edge, long, outruns opposing defenses, great vision to get yards when it doesn't look like much is there. Moving, always moving forward is a big plus. Give and look, playing all those positions every Friday night gives it his all when he's playing out there. Uh, it, it takes a lot. His season stats: one thousand five hundred eighty-three yards on one hundred thirteen carries. That's fourteen yards per carry. Will uh, twenty-eight catches for five hundred thirty-one yards, fifty-four tackles, six interceptions. He does a little bit of everything. And had a quote out there: "I'm very versatile, so I can play receiver, running back." He said. Uh, Florida uses their running backs in the passing game, too. Uh, they run the ball a lot. You can see, he said, uh, numbers don't lie. So they have two going back to Florida in their offense, two running backs in the top 10 in the SEC, speaking of ETN and Montreal Johnson there this past season. Uh, so Florida's able to sell him, get their second running back in the class to go along with Kanan Daniels, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, I don't look, I don't think we question too much of Billy Napier and, and Jabbar DeLuke's eye for talent at the running back spot. But uh, look, if the rankings don't, and, and look, I know we can make this spin for a whole lot of players, but if the rankings don't catch your eye, look, this really was a battle. Florida, Alabama, late for Jaden Ball. Yeah, I mean, clearly not not afraid of competition if he's willing <laughs> to consider Alabama, right? I think it's pretty clear that you got Cam Carroll and you got Montrell Johnson who are going to be sort of the two lead backs next year. And then you're going to have Trayon Webb Kenan Daniels and Jaden Ball fighting for the scraps. And I think a big part of what those scraps will be are the guys who step up in pass protection. If you look last year, one of the problems Florida had is ETN for all the things that he did that were really, really good. And he did a lot of good things. He was really abysmal in pass protection. And actually, when I looked at some of the PFF numbers, Montreal Johnson wasn't much better either. So I think there's probably a role for a guy who can step into a pass protection role. And that all that versatility, all the different positions that he's played, that, that sort of stuff is what jumps out to me when you start talking about a guy like Ball is can he get snaps just by being a guy who's reliable in pass protection. If he's a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield, that also means that as a third down back, he brings a lot of value being able to catch the ball as the outlet, being a hot read when there's blitzes, those sorts of things. So pass protection, catching the ball out in the out in the flat, those are sort of the two things that I think you look at early on, especially considering you know with all the struggles that Graham Mertz had in terms of throwing the ball away, having an outlet for him that he trusts, having a guy that he trusts to pick up that blitz, allowing him to look downfield a little bit more, take those shots downfield rather than having to worry that when there's a blitz coming that the 
running back's going to olay it, and all of a sudden he's going to get drilled. Um, look, Mertz got drilled a ton this year, and it wasn't always the running back's fault, but there were multiple times where it was. So to me, that's the thing that sort of jumps out when you start talking about Ball, his toughness, his versatility, all that sort of stuff, is can he be a contributor as a third down back, a special teams player, and somebody in blitz pickup? That's what I'd be looking for at least early on. All right, let's go to safety. Of course, we've I've discussed on the podcast, of course, Xavier feels to me and his slip away. Corey Bender and I talked about that. Not going to focus on that one too much anymore. Uh, but Florida does get another safety. The next edition today, Gregory Smith, three-star safety, 554th overall on the 24-7 sports composite, 489 overall on three industry rankings. On three own rankings? Have him as a four-star, 286 overall. Uh, but the Gators have been intrigued by his mixture of athleticism and size. Uh, believe he's nowhere near his ceiling right now. Uh, this is a late bloomer that could outplay his high school ranking. Uh, told Corey Bender today, Coach Armstrong, me and him came along and finally got on the same page. They showed me where I'm going to be, what positions I can be at. I can be at free. I can be at weak, star. I can play, I can play around the whole defense, even a little corner a little bit. I'll be, I will be able to know the whole defense. So, yeah, well, it does sting. Xavier feels to me not in that defensive backfield rotation. Uh, Florida, they, Florida was looking at Gregory Smith anyway, even before the feels to me um, flip to Texas. Uh, but um, one that is pretty well known, maybe not an instant impact guy, but one they see paying off down the road. Well, I think I think Corey was saying on on the podcast earlier this week he's a real six three, right? That yeah. that he's he's a big guy. Um, so you've got a big cornerback. You think about all the sort of deep balls that Florida has just flubbed on the last three or four <laughs> years, where the where the guys deep just have not been able to go up and high point the ball, and they're right there. They just can't make the play. Well, Smith shouldn't have height as an excuse. He's going to be taller than some of those wide receivers who are out there. Um, look, I mean, this is one of those things. I always say this about offensive line. I think it's the same thing with 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 safety in this case is that you evaluate the position pickups not based on oh this guy's a three-star he must be terrible that's not true at all it's sort of you know a portfolio right do you have a five-star a four-star and a three-star all in the fold and then hey if the three-star delivers awesome that's like extra value given the other guys you've got in there so while you can be disappointed and feel some me not being here i think guys like josiah davis and greg smith are going to be good players for florida this is a good pickup for the gators and it's a guy in the state of florida and i think one of the things that we're going to talk about probably over the next year for for recruiting for for billy napier is going to be focusing on the state and getting guys from the state of florida to come play at florida is a big deal and so Smith, regardless of his ranking and those sorts of things, again, I think has a lot of skills, has the size to be able to grow into those skills. And uh, yeah, hopefully he outperforms his ranking. But even if he performs his ranking, there are a lot of three-star guys out there who are average players. And, and that's the thing is when I look back at what Florida was able to do this year, given the the PFF rankings, at least at corner safety and linebacker, they were below average in each of those. So even just getting average play would be a major step up for the defense. And so uh, Gregory Smith should be able to help that over the next year or two. All right. And one more. Uh, the last edition was through the portal. So it doesn't count in the rankings. Of course, you can go to 24-7 and, and add the uh, transfers into the rankings right now. Uh, but that is a familiar face for quarterback Graham Mertz, and that is one wide receiver Chimre DK. Uh, grad transfer with one year remaining, played in 44 career games with 31 starts in his four years at Wisconsin. He started six of seven games as a true freshman during the pandemic shortened 2020 season uh, and started every game in which he played during his junior and senior years. 
Uh, DK broke out in 2022 as a reliable weapon, uh, taking over the top wideout spot. He caught 47 passes, Will, for 689 yards and six touchdowns there with Graham Mertz. Uh, so he had uh, 10 catches for 185 yards and three touchdowns. It was a highlight versus Northwestern that year. Uh, but then, of course, Luke Fickle comes in. Wisconsin goes to a new offense. They bring in a, tra- a whole bunch of transfer wide receivers. His role diminished this past season, uh, fell behind a bit some, some by some other receivers. So uh, this past season, 19 catches, 328 yards, and one touchdown. He finished his Badgers career with 97 receptions, 1,478 yards, and nine touchdowns. Well, obvious, the big thing here is having that connection with Graham Mertz. One pretty good season to his name in 2022. Ricky Pearsall's on his way out. Is this some type of replacement uh, to help Trey Wilson out there, you know, expand this passing game for Graham Mertz? Well, he's not coming here to not play, right? <laughs> Correct. I mean, so, and, and if you look at the room, I mean, look, I mean, it's you got Jaquavian Frazier's and then and then Dyke as as seniors. You've got Marcus Burke and Khalil Jackson as juniors, Trey Wilson as a sophomore, and then you've got Andy Jean and Aiden Mizell, I believe are going to be redshirt freshmen. I don't think they played an, enough to be uh to to blow that redshirt year. And then you got Dre Hawkins and, and Tawesky Abrams. And so there is a lot of youth when it comes to wide receiver at at Florida this year. And, you know, we talked about it last year that, that to, to rely on Trey Wilson, Andy Jean, Naden Mizell to all be great right off the bat was misguided. Now, Trey Wilson is one of the, was one of the best players on the team last year. So I expect him to sort of grow into a bigger role. You got Khalil Jackson, who's sort of a solid wide receiver, but wasn't necessarily spectacular. Who's the third wide receiver? Like who's the guy who steps into that role? Certainly, Dyke is going to be one of those guys who um, who has an opportunity to step D- into that role. DK, DK, DK I'm sorry, DK <laughs> is, is somebody who will step into that role. At the same time, he'll be competing with Gene and Mizell and Hawkins and Abrams. And so, if those guys end up winning the role, great, right? They got a level of competition. We're able to beat out essentially what I would assume is Graham Mertz's hand-picked guy to do that. The interesting thing is when you start looking at the distribution, obviously last year, Florida was extraordinarily freshman and sophomore heavy. Um, and if you look at the guys who've already come into the transfer portal, you got Bridges, Slackman, and DK have one. This is their last year of eligibility. You got Crenshaw Dixon, the offensive tackle. He's got two years and they have focused on bringing in guys who have experience this a year as opposed to as opposed to and a ton of snaps already out there as opposed to guys who you know are projects and maybe there'll be more projects who come in because as of right now I have Florida at 77 scholarship players so that means eight spots left for transfer portal guys coming in um and so look i mean fill that out obviously there there might be some projects in there but i doubt there's going to be a whole lot of projects i think at the end of the day this is like you know if you can bring in like the evan stewart's of the world and that sort of stuff those are the guys you got to go after and the guys you got to bring in and and that's clearly where the like production is taking precedence this year Mm -hmm. over projection for the guys they bring in the transfer portal and and dk's part of that yeah i mean absolutely just you know, this 2024 season, we know more wins probably need to be had. And yeah, instant impact transfer guys um, there. And, and look, you go through and look at it. I mean, Will, you go through the transfer portal last couple of years for Billy Napier. The Louisiana guys, Montreux Johnson, Osiris Torrance, huge impact for this team. Ricky Pearsall, Graham Mertz, Cam Jackson. Are those the only five? Off the top of their head that where you're saying those are the guys who have had the biggest impact so far? 
I mean, you could say you could say Mazuka contributed quite a bit yeah, last year. I don't think I don't think he was like a star. No, but, right, but, he, right. but he contributed. I mean, again, Damian George, while not a star, was out there at left tackle a lot too. I think it, it comes it comes back <laughs> to let's go get you in trouble there, Will. <laughs> it comes back to what is your expectation yeah. of the transfer portal? And I think what we've seen a guy like Keon Coleman goes to Florida State and is a star. He's not a guy who comes out there and just contributes. Whereas five, six, seven years ago, you get a guy like Trevon Grimes, you get a guy like Van Jefferson. They aren't necessarily stars, but they're major contributors to what's going on. It, the times have passed where these guys coming in through the transfer portal are just sort of contributors, mm-hmm. right? Like you got to hit on them just like you, they take up a roster spot, they take up a scholarship just like anybody. And you got to hit on those guys the same way you would elsewhere. Now, you know, in the past, I might have said that it's like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole where, you know, the high school recruiting needs to be there because you're just supplementing with the portal. Well, at this point, you can pretty much turn over your entire roster with the portal if you want to. Um, I'm not sure you necessarily want to, but you might have to, depending on what's going on. And if you turn over your entire roster, you're going to have to hit a lot more than maybe you did before. So, you know, if I'm going to, again, orange or blue glasses, if I'm going to say, it, what's the good that comes out of today? I would suspect that Florida's NIL apparatus has funds at this point to be able to go into the transfer portal and make some offers that perhaps some of the other schools that had some late flourishes here did not have the funds to do. And so um, Florida needs some impact guys. They need some impact guys quickly. I think DK is a good addition, but it's a, he's a guy who caught 40 balls for Graham Mertz of the Wisconsin team two years ago that wasn't very good. And how does that translate to the SEC? We said the same thing about Mertz, right? How is that going to translate to the SEC? Certainly Mertz is comfortable with him, but to expect him to be like some breakout, you know, Ricky Pearsall type transfer, I think is probably uh, probably asking for a lot. I think there are other guys out there who could have that sort of impact. And certainly I, I would expect Florida to be looking to add that kind of guy as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, well, I mean, we're about 55 minutes in, Will. And people want to call us negative Nellies. I don't think we've been too negative so far, but we do have to discuss the storylines of today and why Florida is end up right now at 16th in, in, in the recruiting rankings when at one time this was a top three, top five, top 10 class. And, you know, right now or, or today, what we saw, um, of course, feels to me before that, but four star defensive lineman and Maris Williams to Auburn. Uh, four-star defensive lineman and Darius Hayes to Miami. Uh, Jamonte Waller earlier to Auburn. Wardell Mack earlier to Texas. And Nasir Johnson earlier to Georgia. As you mentioned, a whole lot of defenders right, right, right there. You know, those were the the key pieces of you know what we're discussing of why you know Florida. You know, there's not as much talent at the top of this class as there once was, and because of Amaris Williams, Darius Hayes, Jamonte Waller um, moving down. Uh, or, or uh, deciding to go away. So, yeah, that, that's what hurt Florida's class here in, in, in the end. Not as good as it could have been. Maybe should have been in some ways. Uh, but that was the the bad news today. I think 
not much of a surprise uh, when we go in. And I know that softened the blow for a lot of people out there. That's what I saw <laughs> for, for a lot of the, the tweets out there and a lot of social media posts is, well, expected. We kind of knew it was coming, uh, but still stings a bit when Amaris Williams been on flip watch for a little while. Ohio State came into the picture. Auburn came into the picture recently. That 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 came about. Then a Darius Hayes, and that one's that one's kind of polarizing. Will the storyline for that one because of Florida scheduled to go in home meeting late last week. Kind of you know kind of stiffs the staff and goes to Miami before the staff comes in. Uh, some talk of Florida pulling his offer, but look that came because he was showing a lot of interest in Miami and pretty much did the staff wrong. Now, I don't blame. Pulling it, pulling pulling of the offer there, but it's not like pulling of the offer because he, you know, I mean, he still had an offer as of last Friday, but the games being played over this weekend kind of sh- um, made it where you know Florida didn't want to play those games anymore. But in a lot of ways, still a loss because, as I said, he still had an offer on Friday. But in the end, you know, these were players that we were counting on at one point to make up this big class for Florida, and the storyline today for a lot of the national out there and for Gator Nation is the guys that Florida ends up flipping away from the program. Yeah, I mean, I think when you really focus on it, you look at what could have been versus what is. And what could have been is I went and looked at the numbers. If within 200 miles of Gainesville, there were five five five-star players, there were 12 top 100 players, and 16 from 101 to 300. Florida got one of the five stars in McRae. They got one in the top 100, Graham. And then one other in the top 300 in in Hawkins. And so to me, that's the place where you start is you go, all these guys who flipped or a large portion of the guys who flipped are not Florida kids. And a large portion of the guys in the recruiting class are not Florida kids. The overall recruiting class only has six guys from the state of Florida out of the 18. And if you're only going to bring in a third of the guys from your class from your home state, you're always going to struggle. Like that's just the reality. And Bud Davis had something on Twitter, I think a week or two ago, where he was looking at, you know, guys who tend to enter the transfer portal and guys who enter the transfer portal tend to be guys who are not from the state that you're recruiting in. Um, you know, so to me, that's that's where you start is you go and you look at the state of Florida and you say, OK, Jeremiah Smith goes to Ohio State. Ellis Robinson goes to Georgia. David Stone goes to Oklahoma. Jordan Seaton goes to Colorado. Armando Blount goes to Florida State. Then LJ McCray is sixth and he comes to Florida. But that one was sort of dicey there at the end. Then you got Charles Lester going to Florida State. You got Josiah Trader going to Miami. Then you got Miles Graham. So two of the top 10 guys in the state of Florida are going to Florida. Um, you got Xavier Mincy at 10th. We'll see what happens there. But then all of a sudden, you know, where's the next guy on the list for Florida? It's Dre Hawkins at 38. And that to me is the thing is there's just not a lot of depth. I mean, the Florida, the state of Florida has a ton of talent. That talent is not making its way to Florida, at least not thus far under Billy Napier. He relied on building this top three class with a lot of guys outside of the state. And a lot of those guys, when things got, when things didn't go real well this year, or when they got other offers from other programs, or when the fan base got loud, or whatever the reason was, those guys didn't have this. I've always wanted to be a Gator type of type of mentality. They didn't have this. Oh, my family's going to be fifty miles away. They'll be able to see me play all the time. Like all those things that eventually draw you 
to the university aren't there because it wasn't necessarily tied in to the state. So to me, that's the thing is I'm always talking about how you got to draw a circle around Gainesville Mm -hmm. and you got to bring in guys within 100, 150 miles of Gainesville. You can't get beat out for guys in Venice. You can't get beat out from guys in Orlando. You can't get beat out for guys in Jacksonville. You can't get beat out for guys in Daytona Beach. And they're getting beat out for those guys right now. And until that stops, this is going to be what happens is you're going to have guys who flip. It's a new day and age, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. NIL has clearly brought a lot more movement, a lot more last second stuff going on. Ohio State had a bunch of guys flip today, but Ohio State had guys flip out and guys flip in. And their class was so high to begin with that it really didn't drop very much. Florida had a lot of guys flip out and only a couple flip in. And so you end up with a situation where not only, and this is what I said to start, not only is the class weakened by those guys flipping out, but the volume for the class has been weakened as well. There just aren't, there aren't a, like, there's a lot of good players in the class. There just aren't enough of them. Right. Given, given the competition that Florida has in the SEC. Yeah, and I think some of this too is like, you know, why is it happening? You mentioned, yes, NIL, of course, it's a huge part of it. We, we, we know it is. You know, Florida's playing the game too, just like everybody else. Um, look, the five and seven record didn't help. Um, you know, that may not be the ultimate factor, may not be the determining factor, but it opened the door for a lot of this to start happening. Guys start looking around, then that's where the, the, the money comes into play. Uh, but look, I, I put it out on social media today. It's not just NIL. It's not just a five and seven record. It's not just the UAA. It's not just the administration. It's not just Napier. I mean, for every guy, it could be different, but it's the overall arc here and all those things <laughs> come into play here. Uh, when you start looking at the reasoning for, you know, the flips away uh, from, from Florida there, but look, the class was, look, to put it bluntly, it's not as good as it could have been or should have been in, in a lot of ways. And another angle to why the slow rebuild in this new college football world may not have been the best plan of attack originally. You're relying on bringing um, high-level talent and developing that talent. Well, do, do you get to do you get to see that payoff? And, Will, I think part of this is, you know, let's not act like the small class was the plan all along. A small class happened because of the decommits, was kept small by now something I agree with. Not reaching, not going for a whole bunch of fillers at the bottom part of the class. I, I agree with that. Uh, but look, this small class wasn't the initial plan and only forced due to the decommits at the top of the class. Uh, my good friend, uh, Ed, EH, as you guys know him on Twitter or, or the boards, he said it in a great way today. He goes, quote, while I'm upset about the talent we lost this week, we should have never been shooting for a mid-20s class size when we only had five seniors and major portal needs. These aren't necessarily the 18 I would have chosen, but this class size is more appropriate. Now focus on the portal. And look, that's where we'll certainly turn the page. And look, he's been in the camp of more portal from the get-go anyway, uh, and he's followed the portal very closely. Uh, I remember after Friday Night Lights in Billy Napier's first year, we go to a, a, a little bar, and he and I are sitting there talking in person, and he was – not a big fan of the slow approach to begin with. Wanted to attack the uh, portal a little bit harder to begin with. Uh, and maybe, you know, the record's a bit better. And then you're not fighting this five and seven record in year two and trying to hang on to these guys. Uh, but I do, I do see the approach of a, uh, of a small class and then I- excusing kind of what happened today because that was the plan. All right, but that wasn't the original plan. <laughs> that, that was not the original plan. It only happened because of what happened to Florida today in the last month or so. 
Well, so this is the thing is if you're Billy Napier, you got to cast a vision to the fan base about how you're going to build things and um, asking, are you entertained at the, at the press conference? Probably not going to get <laughs> the, the feedback or the, the, uh, the response that you want, the desired response. You're not building equity with that. The way you build equity is you cast a vision. So he's cast a vision in his first three years here, whether he's meant to do it or not, he's cast a vision that high school recruiting will be the thing that I'm going to hang my hat on. And I'm going to differentiate on. And up until this point, that has not happened. So if you look at Florida over the three years, his average recruiting, his average player rating over those three years, 90.51. Dan Mullen in his four years, 90.75, 90.77, 90.74, and 90.51. So we have the um, the level of talent at Florida is not leaps and bounds beyond where it was when Dan Mullen was here. You can argue about attrition. You can talk about all that sort of stuff, but we didn't go from Florida, from Florida under Mullen to Georgia, which was the, which was the anticipated thing. So you got to, you got to change tax and whether that tact is, I need time because NIL caught us by surprise and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to build through high school, or if it's, we're going to change tax and we're going to go through the transfer portal and we're going to absolutely ravage the transfer portal because no one else has money left <laughs> and we do. And so let's go get those guys. Whatever that approach is, you're going to have to start communicating it. You're going to have to communicate the vision for how you're going to build the program um, to get people to keep people bought in and to get people who have started to wither and have started to falter a little bit to buy in as well. And I know that not everybody wants to talk about their strategy and want to keep it close to the vest and all that sort of stuff. But at this point, you got a lot of people who, who, bought into this is going to take some time to build who bought into we need to give to Florida victorious in order to make sure that this recruiting class stays in place. A lot of people who bought into the vision of building through high school recruiting and taking it slow with the transfer portal, because the transfer portal is occupying spots and dollars and time that high school recruiting is not. If you're not delivering on that promise, well, you got to deliver on something else. And so to me, communicating that vision of what Billy Napier wants to achieve is going to be key because look, I think if you, come out and say this wasn't what we expected this wasn't what we wanted but we're happy with the guys we've got here and here's how we're going to build i think you can get people to buy in hell i live up in philadelphia they went through like years of just just misery with the sixers all in the hopes of getting a guy like Joel Embiid, and now they're winning all the time. There are, but you got to cast that vision. The fans understood what was happening, and so supported the the the, the regimes through that at least somewhat. Um, so that to me is the thing: is can you communicate the vision to the boosters? Can you communicate the vision to Scott Strickland? Can you communicate the vision to the fans and the decision makers to the point where you're able to have an opportunity to carry it out? But I think the vision now. I think you're right. I think I think Ed is that his name. I think Ed is right. Like you've got to pivot now. Like that you're going to have to supplement the guys that you've brought in because you you can't just go. Well, we're young again. We're playing a bunch of true freshmen. Like that's not going to fly mm. in year three. It's just not. And uh, you know. Everybody has to adjust. There was a Lane Kiffin tweet today that said "adapt or die," and it, it was in the middle of middle of early signing day. And I think you know, you look at Nick Saban years ago bringing in Lane Kiffin. That's not a move Saban would have made ten years ago or 20, 15 years ago. He would not have brought in Lane Kiffin, but he realized he had to adjust. He brought in somebody who pushed the edges of him, and he and Kiffin didn't get along very well. You could sort of tell that from the way the way it ended there. Um, 
and and Kiffin sort of pushed his buttons, but I think he made Saban better. So to me, that's the question: is how do you adjust? What do you change? What what's the what's the tact you're going to take? And then how do you communicate that in a way that gives people faith that yeah, things didn't go well, but we still have a plan? Because that to me is the, is the is the thing coming out of here. Is the plan was this top three class was going to bring Florida back to glory. And now I'm looking at it going, I'm pretty sure a top 16 class is going to struggle to do that. So what are you going to do to make adju- make an adjustment for that and make sure that that the guys who you did bring in are supplemented with people such to the point that they can that they can bring back that winning? Yep. Um, so if people have on three, um, it do- there does seem to be some steam now that the uh, offensive lineman favor Edwin. Uh, is picking up some steam for the Gators has not made the decision today. So that's one name to keep uh, looking out for offensive lineman Florida could add uh, here in the next two days uh, an Alabama, um, uh, not staff member, Alabama writer has put a prediction in for Florida. It seemed to be between Florida, Alabama and Auburn uh, for favorite Edwin uh, offensive lineman. Uh, so Looking around as as we before we sign off here to try to get the latest before we sign off here on the signing day, uh, favorite Edwin offensive lineman. Look out for him. Uh, Corey Bender put a prediction in for him, uh, and an Alabama writer has put in a prediction for him as well. So be on the lookout for that one. Maybe I guess late. Uh, I doubt tonight, but uh, right here um, on a, on a Thursday maybe. Uh, but then transfer portal, of course, we all think that is the next step, kind of just going to what we discussed, maybe more offensive linemen, maybe another receiver, uh, edge rusher, linebacker, maybe defensive back. I think there's a few more spots Florida can really fill, uh, fill in right here on the transfer portal. Well, before we sign off here, um, what would you say best parts of the class are? I, I'm, I'm big on the linebackers. Uh, Charles and Graham, you got two top 100 players there, position of need for the Gators. Need some linebackers like that. I mean, look, you're getting two Jamar James level players there. Uh, can they be a all SEC freshman like he was? They get the opportunity to uh, more of that inside linebacker, middle linebacker type there uh, as he comes back from injury as well. So um, I like what Florida did there at, at linebacker. And I've already kind of mentioned running back. Uh, I like what Florida's done at running back as well. I know they're not up there as far as the rankings go. Uh, Florida's not getting the highly ranked running backs out there, uh, but I do like the two guys they have, kind of just the makeup of those guys there. But all in all, probably my favorite and, and probably a lot of part, a lot of people's parts out there for their favorite part of this class, of course, Lagway, McCray, kind of speak for themselves. But as far as the position group goes, I really like what, what Florida did at linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the obvious one. I, I think if you go to Brian Taylor at defensive line, the JUCO transfer, that's mm-hmm. somebody you expect to contribute right away. And so, again, sort of the theme of you're going to have to show some stuff next year, getting production out of these guys right away is going to be the big thing. So, to me, that's the same thing with with Graham and Childs is going to be can they – bring production right away and not production where oh like we're sitting here going look I saw a flash and then all of a sudden you've missed you know <laughs> you've missed a tackle and a guy runs for 80 yards it's can you just be consistent overall and can you sort of like I don't know that we need spectacular play just average play over over a you know average play consistently rather than spectacular followed by catastrophic um, I like what they've done a wide receiver I, I think ta- I think Abrams and Hawkins are good additions to the three that they brought in last year you think about Dan Mullins last year, and, and there were multiple comments about how the skill players on the outside were not necessarily able to get separation. Um, you know, 
Hawkins specifically is a burner. He's a guy who's going to be able to hopefully stretch the field, combine him with Mizell, combine him with Trey Wilson. All of a sudden, now you've got guys all over the field who can get some separation. And if you can win one-on-one battles in college football, you're going to be able to score some points. So um, to me, adding those guys at the wide receiver position, obviously you would like to have had Isaiah Williams as well, but adding those two guys at the wide receiver position, I think the wide receiver position definitely got better having those guys in there and Again, you sort of look back at historically, what do you get from a freshman wide receiver? Eh, maybe 20, 25 catches. But you add 20, 25 catches to 50 for Trey Wilson. You get some for DK, who we already talked about transferring in. You get maybe maybe 10 or 15 catches from Amir Jackson, along with Boardingham and Hayden Hansen starting to step up. And you can start to see the outline of what Billy Napier wants to do there on the offensive side of the ball. If Lagway turns out to be the trigger man, then, hey, maybe we get really excited about things. So, um, again, it's one of those things where, like, the day itself was deflating. The day yeah. itself was negative. And so that's the perception everybody's going to have. There are a lot of good players in this class. And, uh, you know, a 15th or 16th ranked class is going to give you a shot to win nine games in the SEC over the course of multiple years. If you do that over and over and over again and you hit on some of the key spots and, and you can coach those guys up, um, it's just, you know, is nine is nine wins the goal. Right. And if nine wins isn't the goal, well, then, OK, this fault, this falls short. If improvement if solid foundation that sort of stuff is your goal i think a lot of that was achieved with the guys who came in today so you know look i i think you hear people say it and sometimes it seems like sunshine pumping we're like i just want people who want to be gators in the class and sometimes that drives me a little bit crazy but there's some truth to that too right and i think in many ways the um the the fortitude these guys had to have to come in with all the noise that was going around with all the decommits yeah. that were going around. You know, some of these guys were getting phone calls too. I mean, oh, you already yeah. mentioned Lagway and McCray getting phone calls. So these guys want to be in Gainesville, and that does make a difference. You're not going to be looking up three workouts in, wondering, huh, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I put my name in the transfer portal, right? It's it's you've committed to making this program better. So that foundation hopefully is in place. And you know, hopefully we're looking back three, four, five years from now and saying these are guys who have contributed to an SEC championship for Florida. They're not going to be, I don't think, the class that drives them to an SEC championship unless Lagway and McRae are both like surefire first-round draft picks in the NFL three years from now. But I do think this can be a class that contributes to that sort of thing, assuming that uh, that Florida continues to grow. Yeah, I'm really interested in offensive line, too. Fletcher Westfall kind of just shot up the rankings uh, as, as the season went on. But also, and I know I'm going to butcher the name, Noel Portjoggin. Port Jagan. I forgot how Billy Napier said it today, uh, but the guy from the, the offensive lineman from Germany, you know, not a lot known about him. They say he comes to camp. He's one of the first people they notice uh, out there. And I know people have went out there and saw him in camp setting and been really, really impressed. Uh, so um, that's intriguing, at least for me, is what Florida brought in uh, along the offensive line. So, all right, there we go. We can. Um, wrap it up a bit. Uh, I know people were asking about Zay Mincy as well. I'm hearing Alabama. That's the team I'm hearing the most about that uh, right now is he hasn't made his decision or maybe supposed to make his decision today, but won't announce till an all-star game in early January. So there we go. We'll see what Florida does in the portal next, uh, you know, next, maybe the next few days and then the next portal window in the spring. But um, there we go. We'll put a cap on another early signing day. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff was a lot more fun to follow in 2008 and 2009. I'll tell you that much. So uh, Man, it, was, it was a lot funner, a lot funner to follow in June as well. <laughs> uh, that's true. It was a rough day. 
It was a rough yeah, day. I don't think there's was. any way around it. Um, but uh, look, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where the you were hoping for a championship to be seeded here. I don't know if that necessarily happened except right. for maybe Lagway. And so we got to wait till next year or the transfer portal to seed that towards a championship. And look, I think we wait until all the smoke settles in the transfer portal, sort yeah. of look at the roster and say, where does the roster sit? But we all know what's coming up in this season. We've all seen the schedule. You went over it last week. I mean, that is, that is just a murderous schedule. And, uh, you know, it's going to take something special for, for, for Napier and the team to make a bowl next year. So we're going to be sitting here in November, December next year having the same conversation. Hopefully the conversation will be much more around the clothes that Florida's had around, you know, flipping a bunch of guys from all over the place and the lessons that they've learned from this past year. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's coming while Florida's preparing for a bowl game as well. But, uh, you know, look, I, I say this all the time, only get 12 of them. Um, so you got to enjoy the games when they're out there and, and, uh, you know, Signing day, I still think they should move it to February, but uh, signing oh, day terrible. is – I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like opening up Christmas, just yeah. a couple of lumps of coal today. So uh, <laughs> we should have been better. That's really what it boils down to yeah, is, that's is, true. is Santa Claus knew we, were, uh, knew we weren't real good this year and uh, gave us a couple of lumps of coal. We're naughty on the field. Naughty. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, we did spit on people, so maybe that's the, uh, maybe that's the punishment. <laughs> All right, there we go. That'll wrap up early signing day right here on Gators Breakdown. That is Will Miles. You can find him on the site, readingreaction.com, on YouTube at Reading Reaction. I am the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown.